Hello there. Thank you for inviting me into your eardrums. I'm Sarah Wendell, and this is episode number 477 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. My guest this week is author Rika Aoki, whose new book, Light from Uncommon Stars, is out this week. We are going to cover a lot of topics, including transgender identity, found family, space opera, the Brady Bunch, the liminal state of the Olive Garden, chonky books, and what and where is the best donut. Light from Uncommon Stars is a really unique and fascinating book. And if you're curious about it, of course, we don't have any spoilers, but we do take a deep dive into some of the more interesting parts of the research that went into this book. Hello, and thank you to our Patreon community. If you've supported the show with a monthly pledge, you keep the show going, you make every episode accessible, and you're part of a pretty awesome community. Hello to Laura and Melissa, who just joined. If you'd like to join the Patreon community, I can give you a slight spoiler that I have some big guests planned. So if you'd like to suggest questions, that's a great place to do it. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. This podcast is brought to you in part by pros. Now, most of you have heard me talking about learning to take better care of my hair in the quarantines, and you may have heard me talking about Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. First, there's a quiz, an in-depth hair quiz, which helped me get started. Pros has given over 1 million consultations, and my results created a custom blend that has made my hair softer, my surprising amount of curls more defined, and because I get to choose my own scent, it smells incredible too. Pros also has a review and refine feature that lets me tweak the formula for any reason, like change of hair color, change of location, alas, it is still humid where I am, or change in diet. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash trashybooks, that's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash trashybooks for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. This podcast is also brought to you by Headspace. If you have tried meditation before and felt like it didn't work or maybe like you were doing it wrong, have a look at Headspace, especially if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the occasion, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has 30-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down meditations that Amanda and their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Since I started using Headspace, my day goes a little easier when I start with meditation and I've meditated nearly every morning. I feel pretty great. I also love the focus music collection in the Headspace app. I love the variety and I love the curated playlists. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Sarah. That's headspace.com slash Sarah for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash Sarah today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. 
Many people age 19 through 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and some are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and up. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Ritual also invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of essential for women 18 plus multivitamin. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins and I love the ease. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping and I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com Sarah and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com Sarah. This podcast is brought to you in part by Amazon Music. Since you're listening to this show, I think it's probably safe to say you like listening to podcasts. So heads up, you can find a ton of binge-worthy podcasts, including this one, on Amazon Music. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to, and you can listen to shows like Smart Less one week before everyone else and ad-free on Amazon Music. But Amazon Music isn't just for podcasts. It has music in the name, and they have thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. I really like listening to very mellow instrumental music in the evening and while I'm working, and one of my favorite new stations on Amazon Music is their lo-fi hip-hop collection. It's part dreamy and part rhythmic, and it just soothes my brain at the end of the day. And I can listen on my Bluetooth speaker from my phone, from any Alexa device, and on my computer in my office. It's everywhere. If you've never tried Amazon Music Unlimited, now is a great time. For a limited time, new customers can try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. No credit card required. Just go to amazon.com slash trashybooks. That's amazon.com slash trashybooks to try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. Amazon.com slash trashybooks. Renews automatically. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. Now, we do talk a lot about donuts. So if you're hungry, I recommend getting a pastry to listen along. But let's do this podcast interview on with my conversation with Rika Aoki. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Rika Aoki, and I just finished this novel that's coming out. It's called Light from Uncommon Stars, and I'm holding it up to a camera, but I know it's probably not going to be part of a visual shot. And um, I am an author, and I am a professor. Most of the time, I think of myself as a teacher. I teach English at Santa Monica College, but I've also written a lot of books with the small and queer presses, and this is my first book with a press like Tours. I also compose music, and I do martial arts. I teach queer youth and uh, trans women how to protect themselves here in Los Angeles, and I like walks on the beach, and I really like the churros at Disneyland. All right. That doesn't give me anything to talk about at all. Gosh, it's going to be really challenging. So first, first and foremost, congrats on Life from Uncommon Stars. Okay, not only is it a gorgeous, gorgeous cover, but it is a gorgeous book. What is your favorite way of describing the story to someone who's like, oh, you wrote a book. What's it about? What will will readers find inside Light from Uncommon Stars? This book covers a few a few genres. Yeah. People have called it a mashup of science fiction and fantasy. And there is, uh, you know, there's barbecue duck and vile classical music and donuts thrown in. And I've noticed that 
when I actually try to laundry list the book, people just look at me and think, I, I, I watch them glaze over much, much <laughs> like a glazed donut. And uh, <laughs> I have decided that the best way, um, a really a really great new friend of mine, her name is Jen Lyons. She just wrote this amazing set of books called Light from Uncommon Stars, Faust Meets Galaxy Quest. Oh, and I, I am happy with that. I am really happy with that. So if you think Faust meets Galaxy Quest, and then you toss in the Asians and the lesbians and the trans people, and you put it in San Gabriel Valley, and you add donuts, we're there. Yeah, that oh, really yeah. does <laughs> seem to be, yeah. And you should all read Jen Lyons' work because she's just brilliant all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> in this book, one of the hardest things for me to do is to do an interview about a book that is coming out because I've read it. Mm -hmm. And I want to have a discussion with you that entices other people to buy it, but I don't want to spoil too much. But there's so uh -huh. much going on this going on in this book I want to talk about. So there are some wonderful, wonderful major themes. There's music and family and identity mm -hmm. and donuts. Now, mm -hmm. there's all of these things going on. When you started writing this story, did you go in with family, queerness, violence, donuts, or did those things evolve as you started putting all of the all of the pieces together? Some of the themes were. And thank you very much for that. That's there are actually not that many themes, but a lot of different manifestations yes. on the themes. Yes. So I knew, for example, that this would be the book that I was hitting my mid-career. I had no F's to give. I was out. I was trans. There was going to be queer. I was going to put queer front and center. That was one of those things about this book that was non-negotiable. Now, in Hemelia Hilo, the book before that, there wasn't so much queer stuff, but that was because that was about my childhood, and that was about my family in Hawaii. But this is about Rika as an adult, uh, you know, speaking of myself in the third person, which I shouldn't be doing. Please pinch me. But in any <laughs> situation, the, uh, what, what I was trying to do is write a book about what means a lot to me now. I've had friends who I love who, who will never get the chance to tell their stories because they didn't make it. And I wanted to write a book that it could never encapsulate the beauty of my chosen family, but I wanted to at least allude to them. I wanted to give them some sort of tribute that I love you. And that's what I really wanted to put in the book. So that was in there and love was in there. And I also wanted to write about the San Gabriel Valley for much the same reason, race and community, because the San Gabriel Valley is home to, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's sort of thought of as the Asian American Holy Land. This is where we have many Vietnamese, Hmong, uh, even some old Japanese and um, all sorts of folks who come from the Chinese diaspora, mainland, Hong Kong, Taiwan, we have so much going on there. And on the surface, it looks amazing. It looks, uh, it looks prosperous. It looks like model minority material. And if you could see me, I'm doing the quotes with my fingers. But also um, down the street in Old Chinatown that was burned because of racism. Santa Anita Raceway was an assembly center for Japanese Americans sent over to be carted away in World War II. And so I wanted to talk about not necessarily gentrification, 
but change. I think sometimes we gussy up change because we're afraid of it. So we call it one thing or another, diversity or gentrification. And sometimes those are accurate words, but underneath it all, it's, it's change. And so I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about my neighborhood because it's, uh, I think that it's, the themes in, in the San Gabriel Valley are happening all over the country, all over the world, that the existing vocabulary for diversity and change aren't matching what people see in real life. So I wanted to, to touch on that in the book. So then also with love, I wanted to talk a lot about love, but how was I going to talk about love? I have two characters here, the younger ones, uh, Katrina, who is a violinist, and I have Shirley, who we'll talk about more later. Shirley's got all other sorts of issues of being othered. And originally, just using them as an example, I was going to do the natural thing that you do in any queer literature lit store. You put them in the sack together. (laughs) Which is hilarious because Shirley's actually in a sack. Yes, yes, there you go, there you go. Oh my God, that's so well done. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I have to ask, was the choice of Lon's surname as the trans, was that Mm -hmm. a deliberate, please tell me that was a deliberate because I enjoyed that so much. If you notice, I threw that through the entire thing. Now I'm not going to, here's the thing. I'm not going to call, there are many, many people named Tran. Of course. So nobody named Tran. So for those of you named Tran, I did not mean your name as a joke. I did not mean it as a pun, but it worked and (laughs) I didn't change it. And I thought this was a really, really nice theme. And then I extended it towards the end. If you notice, the last character is somebody who's named Beltran, which is beautiful Tran. And so that actually, I wanted to connect that all because I didn't, here's the responsibility you use somebody who's Asian and you use their name as a joke. We, we, we have this all the time, right? Ching Chang Chinaman. So oh, yeah. I wanted to make it loving. I wanted to make it just, uh, I wanted to make it respectful and I wanted to make it community building. So one of the reasons why at the end I had a, a Latina character come in with a name that evoked that is to show that it resounds. Yeah that this theme resonates and I'm not going to leave anybody in the cold. I don't do that as a human. I don't do that as a writer. One thing that I particularly loved about the, um, the use of the last named Tron and talking about the Trons family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what you what you did, I loved so much was that you capitalized and made a surname out of trans as a trans family. So mm-hmm. you, you made the surname the found family surname for here around, mm-hmm. all around Katrina, who, my gosh, she needed a family. I love the way that language folded back on itself. That was so cool. You know, one of the things that, and I'm so glad you brought that up. That's, you're the first person to bring that up. And thank you. Uh, the goal was, we understood that two of our characters who were uh, Shizuka, the, uh, the violin teacher, and Lan, the Starship Space Captain, mother of four, um, donut shop owner, scientist. <laughs> um, that relationship between those two was a very direct relationship. But what I wanted, and I'm so glad you picked that up, is um, the, other, the other family members in many, many ways echo some of the identity struggles that a trans woman goes through. And I wanted to do it in a way, we we live in a world where it's very, very difficult to 
at the risk of getting a little bit uh, deep here, it's, it's, it, it, this is not the time and place to be a trans woman and ask for empathy. It's, it's not happening. So um, for those of you who do so have trans, trans people in your lives and are ally, allies and support them, and for those sisters who are listening now, I know it's not all of us, and I don't want to make it all doom and gloom. I love you all. But um, trans folk right now, um, along with a lot of other things that are happening uh, in, as the uh, politics of this country become as they are, have, uh, we don't, uh, it, we're in a little bit of danger. And I didn't, if I started just saying trans people this and transgender people this, I think uh, it would have either one come across as too strident or two people would have just been turned off by the subject. I wasn't sure of my readership. I didn't realize they were as beautiful as the readership that I'm finding right now. I'm so grateful. But uh, I, I, so I used as a, a device aliens and, um, constructs, people who may in some ways have problems relating to other people. They may care deeply, but they don't know how to talk. There's, there's no vocabulary. These are all things that I wanted to put into that family and uh, hopefully have the reader love that family. And then by extension, maybe look at the real world in a different way. And by having this, this family sort of assemble with Katrina at the center, a, a individual who is truly parched for love. Like it, mm-hmm. by the time Katrina found her people, I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> it was, it, it, she was, she was parched for affection and care. That was not a, a transactional um, exchange. Mm-hmm. When, when you were speaking earlier, I wanted to ask, was Katrina the starting point for this story? Did you begin with Katrina or did you start with one of the other characters or did they also just show up and be like, hello, here we are? Mm-hmm. Actually, in terms of character, the first character I started out with was Shizuka. Oh. And the reason is Shizuka's name in Japanese means quiet. It means silence. And um, life as a trans woman who... Um, is very, 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 very far from perfect and has, you know, gone through wrecked relationships and not blamelessly, I might say, and uh, has also dealt with transphobia. That's blameless, you know, and a few other things. Um, There had been so much crazy in the world. And I was thinking for this next book, what do I really want to write about? What do I love? I love music. I um, I'm studying Japanese more now, and my Japanese is stronger than it's ever been. I, I love being me. The world would just shut up and quiet for a while. I can figure this out. And that's how Shizuka came. And also, uh, I'm at that age right now where a lot of people call me an elder in the community, although I don't feel like an elder. Um, they... Uh, you know, there's so many young, beautiful, amazing people. They need an elder. Sure, I'll do it. And so I, in some ways, I identify as much with Shizuka as I do with Katrina. When you were writing uh, Lon and Lon's family. Mm-hmm. Yes. How delightful was it to create all of her, of her, uh, of her family and her children? Because every time in the book, it was almost like you're dealing with some stuff as a, as a reader. I am, I'm reading some things that are just deeply upsetting and, and hurt my heart. 
And then you go into the donut shop and it is this wonderful breath of, it was like the, the book was taking a break. It's donut shop time. It's donut shop time. Yes. And yes. it was almost like entering like a really smart, interesting sitcom where you didn't know what was going on because there's so many voices. Was it like that for you when you were writing it? I wanted to bring in, I'm just going to go from inner and go to outer. Good old fashioned space opera, just good old fashioned and not just space opera, good old fashioned shows. I'm just dating myself like the Brady Bunch. Okay. They, they, for a little queer Asian kid who had no idea what was going on, these were good breaks for me. And I would escape into this sure, mom, we're going to do this. That's right. You know, that kind of thing. Don't run in the halls, you know, that kind of thing going on. And I wanted to bring that into the donut shop. The donut shop for me is more than a break. It's, it's an escape because they literally are escaping. Yeah. And I want, you know, so we all know that, and even the children know that they've been through a lot. So there's a bit of bravery even there. And, you know, but is it bravery or is it, uh, is it denial and trauma? And, and we play with that in the book and it shows up in different places. Yeah. I, I had so much fun um, <laughs> writing them. So just to answer your question directly, uh, that part really, really made me smile. One thing I loved about Light from Uncommon Stars as a romance reader and, and reviewer was the very, very lovely, slow burn absolutely the lowest bullshit romance between Shizuka and, and Lon just, mm-hmm. they show up as they are and they, I, they are very clear about who they are when they can be. And then they start revealing themselves to each other and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Hell. Okay. Space. All right. Sure. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Was the romance between them a, a deliberate element? Was it something that you had wanted to incorporate from the start or did they inspire that connection as you wrote them into being? I ran away from that romance. Oh no! I didn't. I I was scared oh, of no. that romance, and the reason I was scared of that romance was I didn't think I could write it. Now here's what's going on. Um, how I feel inside. We, as a trans woman, to write a a to write two women in love. I know I feel it, but the moment I do it, I ask. And all the internalized transphobia comes in and the self-doubt. Am I even qualified to write this? How can, how can I do this? And I know what I want to do, but am I good enough? Am I really a good enough writer to, to do this? So I, I thought about this a lot. And I thought, is there any way around this? And then, of course, once I realized that uh, the two younger ones weren't going to carry the romance torch, I was screwed. I had to do it. And um, so I asked, okay, let's not worry about the trans part right now. They're older. At this point in time, they've been around the block. Of, they've been around the city a few times. Uh, let's, uh, you know, Tran- Lon's case, she's been around the galaxy I was going to say, she's times. been around a couple galaxies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but she still loves her breadsticks, I'll let you know. Bless but, her in heart. Case, <laughs> but in any case, um, how would two older people fall in love they have all the time in the world but they also know that time is valuable how do we do this and then I built them at first with terror and then with hope and then when it finally came out with uh if I may be uh so permitted 
pride. I felt really happy that I wrote them out. And I felt I wanted to tell them both, um, here's your life. I'm just so glad I could give you one. Yeah. And the, and the thing about the romance that develops through the story is that, so, you know, I've obviously any story, especially romance thrives on conflict. What are the internal or external or both forces working against these two characters mm-hmm. arriving at a happy ending at the end of the book? And for these two characters, their conflicts are kind of everything, Ev- mm-hmm. everything, like not even just the internal emotional conflict of can I have a relationship or do I know how to relation- have a relationship? Do I even know how to do this? How much do I tell this person? So they have all of these things working against them. And the more they reveal to each other, the tension still climbs because these issues are so big. So from a construction of the romance standpoint, excellent. Most excellent. Again, these are older people. They just don't have time for it. And also neither of them is particularly hopeful going into this relationship. Mm -hmm. So what allows them to be truthful is they don't think anything's going to happen anyway. I might as well tell you because you're going to find out and it's going to end badly anyway. So you might as well know. So a lot of, so I didn't want it to be, you know, um, this character and this character in almost an allegorical way. I didn't, I wanted there to be a reason why these characters are so forthright. Mm -hmm. They're old. They don't, they're older. They don't have time for, for BS. Had this been a younger pair, I don't think I could have done that. No. But it's because they'd both escaped and they'd both been damned and they both understood that, you know, I don't have time. Yeah. And, and that's what I wanted. I think I, I wanted to give. It's really interesting writing romance about older characters. The story develops in a different way. And my gosh, it was so much fun to, to write this. Yeah. They're, they're coming in because what they represent is not going to neatly resolve. There's science and there's art. That doesn't ever resolve, nor should it. So what I found is how they can help each other and complement each other. I very much wanted to keep this relationship complimentary where, where even at the end they're still bickering like an old married couple yep. because that's where they're going to spend the rest of eternity and I, I you know and they can help each other but I also wanted each character to reveal a very different side of, a, of the other character you know um, Shizuka who's very very fearsome and respected but when when she's with Lon we see a different side and in the same way. And I'll leave it there because I don't want to spoil. Yeah. I mean, this fearsome, deeply intimidating, scary, talented individual brings Lon to Olive Garden. <laughs> love it. I love it so much. And Lon loves it. Yes. And they'll 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 bring more breadsticks. Yes. Yes, yes. they will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you like that part. I I have been in Olive Gardens with too many brilliant queers not to have written a story like that. And Olive Gardens and the metaphorical Olive Gardens, we end up somewhere in the middle of who knows where. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I want to just give you Pulitzer Prizes. These aren't dollar bills. These are Pulitzers and, and MacArthur's because you're also brilliant. I'm just going to sit here with my zucchini and just watch you talk and pick up as much as I can. And And I think that we... Sometimes uh, when we go into these places, um, you know how they say there's flyover states, you know, sometimes there's like flyover franchises and flyover people. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there, nobody really is a flyover person. 
there's always amazing magic going on everywhere. Yeah. And that's why I put it in the Olive Garden as opposed to something trendy in in the West L.A. Well, I mean, one, when, when you're there, your family, which is a you know, yes, major theme. And breadsticks, obviously. And breadsticks. And oh, bread. my God. Breadsticks. And the, and the never-ending cheese. I actually own one of those cheese graters where you spin the dial and the cheese comes oh out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, breadsticks are kind of like, you know. Um, Savory donuts. They, exactly, exactly. Savory donuts. You know, it's, you know, if you think about, they're these straight, not very sweet, not very spectacular donuts. So they're the, you know, they're the heterosexual version of what a donut is. <laughs> <laughs> a, li- a little salty, very straight. Yeah. I guess. And, and they're always available. And yeah, they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I have to ask about the music part of this, of this story. Of Did course. you? Did you take a part of violin as part of, of the research process or did you watch a luthier do surgery? I yes. had no idea that was a thing. And I absolutely love this whole, no, no, no. We don't tell the musicians about this part. Mm-hmm. Is that real? Okay. So when I was learning how to, to work with violins, I, um, I was told by the person who was introducing me to the violin, this is it. And this is how you do this and this. And it was all very, uh, it was like, an owner's manual for a car. You know, this is where the ignition is. This is how you start it. This is how you open the gas tank. But it told me nothing about what was under the hood. And I found this very curious because she's an accomplished violinist. I went to talk to luthiers at that point, and I bought a couple books on how to construct a violin and just looking at the various parts. And that wasn't to teach me the violin culture. I just wanted to go into a luthier shop and not sound stupid. So (laughs) I I built up the vocabulary so I could talk, you know, luthier talk. And I said that I was writing a novel and I batted my eyelashes and they let me into the workshop. And uh, I, I, I was and I listened. I listened to them talk and I listened and I'd occasionally say something like, you know, um, what does a luthier look for in a violin? If you were building a violin and somebody was looking at your violin, what would you like them to notice? Oh, the scroll. Oh, yes, the scroll. Why the scroll? (laughs) You know, oh, because it just starts in the end and goes out and it's beautiful. And that's where we really get to express our our artistry in the carving of the scroll. Okay, I'm writing all of this down and, and I'm smelling the varnish and I'm looking at the tools and I'm having a wonderful, wonderful time. Then later I'm looking on YouTube and there, and I'm looking at the violin videos because I was part of my uh, research. And there was this video from this comedy duo called Two Set Violin. There are these two Asian um, violinists from Perth or I don't know, if they're, or they're from Sydney. They're from somewhere in Australia. And they go into a violin shop. The luthier takes one of the violins and goes, pow, and, and the faceplate comes off. And they they just lose their shit. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm thinking, you know, that's right. Because they're, in, in some ways, the violin is a part of them. They've extent, it becomes an extension of their body. And, and they've just seen somebody, you know, cut their chest open boom on video and uh, yeah and and then he says that's why we don't show violinists this. what we do <laughs> and then at that point I go oh I'm gonna so run with this oh yeah I'm gonna so run with this so um just a quick shout out the people in the violin community the the repair the luthiers that I visited and all of that I just 
they were really nice to me. They they really they really helped me with this book. I, I should do a shout out at the end of the book, but I just wanted to say, you know, if you make violins, you're doing you're doing the goddess's work. And thank you so much. It's like also it's almost like watching surgery on a body on YouTube, which I mean, you can watch you can watch autopsies if you want to. You're not used to seeing the inside parts. It's a little alarming when you see him unexpectedly just pop the front of the violin off. Ah, guts. <laughs> I was actually, you know, typing all of this and there must have been something in my keywords on YouTube because suddenly I got all of these videos for surgeries and ah. people popping pimples. Oh, no. And I don't I don't really like that sort of thing at all. So I just that was one of the worst parts of doing this research. People thought I really was into dissection, which I'm not. No. Uh, I, you know, I maybe if I write horror, I'll be doing that. But I, I will tell you, if I ever write horror, there will be no pimple popping because no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know how much of this makes it into the podcast, but there you are. <laughs> This is the key question for this, for this whole conversation. Yes. What is the ideal and most perfect donut flavor or filling? If you have a top three, that's also fine because I would have a very hard time narrowing it down to mm -hmm. one. So this is a personal list. Yes. As in being transgender, there are many ways to do it. There's no right and there's no wrong. Donuts are fluid. Thank you. Okay. With that disclaimer, <laughs> I... Um, the first donut is very, very personal because I think of Hawaii and I think of my uncle and I think of the big island. I think of my grandmother. And that's a malasada, which is a Portuguese donut in Hawaii from Tex Drive-In in Honoka in northern, uh, on, on the northern part of the big island. And uh, malasadas are, are a Hawaiian thing. And I mentioned that not in this book. I mentioned it in Himalaya Hilo, which is the, the previous book. And um, they are these, uh, the original donuts are sort of like something somebody would eat at Hanukkah. It's bread, it's fried, but uh, it's Portuguese and it's light and it's fluffy. And then uh, they also fill the inside now with Boston cream filling. And it's just such a post-colonial smorgasbord of God knows what, but somehow it's beautiful. It fits in your hand and it tastes wonderful. So I love that donut. I have to share mm -hmm. with you my my theory of of human love. I've said this mm -hmm. on other podcasts. I talk about food a lot on my show because you're gonna read, you're gonna eat. Um, my my theory of universal human love is that the purest expression of human love is that you take a food and you put the food inside of a dough and then you cook it. And this, in every culture, is the expression of human love. Whether it's dim sum or donuts, in all of the different cultures, there's a food that's inside a dough that is cooked. And in every culture, mm -hmm. that is the greatest expression of love. So I love, I love discovering <laughs> another form of human love in donut will, form. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you, not just with donuts, but in my work, just, just, uh, you know, just sort of like a, a pro tip analyzing my work, trace the pork buns. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> trace the pork buns. They show up a lot yeah. in my work. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah. And so just trace the pork buns. And uh, the other two donuts yes, that please. I really like is the, the Kindle's Texas donut, which is in South LA. It's called Kindle's Donuts. And it's one of the giant donuts that's in Los Angeles. And 
uh, the Texas donut is referred to in the book and it exists. It's a thing. It's about like yay big and it's fluffy. And the lady says, oh, Texas donut. You like Texas donut. It's really good. It's big, but good for you. you know, her. And so um, it's it's there. So you you go, you get it. It's a nice donut. There's Randy's Donuts, which is a really big donut. They've got great donuts too. But Kindle's is another big donut in LA. They're Texas donut to die for. Mm. And it's a, yeah. it's a massive, very fluffy, light glazed, right? Yes. Oh, Hi. Yeah. Sawdust. Yes, absolutely. So that one. And then my, you know, my donut from high school is the Uncle Joe's apple fritter, which is, again, about the size of a, you know, of a small asteroid, but here, and it's got chunks of apple. So you can feel, you can fool yourself into thinking you're just eating an apple pie that had had a horrible transporter accident. (laughs) It's got sugar all over it. And it's, it's, it's a mess. It's like the ambergris of apple fritter, but it's so yummy. And you just eat that and it's lovely. Mm -hmm. And so those are my three donuts. If you want an elegant donut, Mr. Donuts in Shimokitazawa in Japan has like the daintiest, most ladylike donuts. If you want to feel that way, which I sometimes do. And that's really nice too. Those are my donuts. Those are good donuts. Those are really good donuts. Those are good donuts. And I'd love to hear other people's donut recommendations as we go. You know, so if you're listening to this, drop me an email, tell me about an unread, just this donut that I need to have. And the thing about a donut is that it is deeply indulgent. But it is, it is, I mean, unless you're talking about the Texas donut, in the most cases, it's a manageable size, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you're getting this, incre- it's it's like sl- smaller than a cupcake, less of a commitment than a cupcake, but enough of a treat, especially when you get all the toppings involved, right? Absolutely. I, and and donut, donut culture has expanded. Now there are like some, there are some donut shops that I feel like I need to dress up to go into. Oh, right. You know, yeah. they're like, yeah, what's oh, yeah. with, what's, what's with like, you know, what's with the sort of uppity fancy donuts but you know uh we'll do it you know there's there's a donut shop nearby and and they will they have literally garnished their donuts it's a dragon fruit donut garnished with an orchid <laughs> and you just kind of go in there and go can we still call you a donut yeah you do have to you know I, it, it, those are the donuts where i have to put the g it's sort of the o d o u g h donut yeah. i have to use the full name because they're <laughs> They're far too fancy. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of donut where if you bring it home, like you have to dress up to go to the bakery. I might have to like comb my hair and put on some mascara before I eat it. Like yeah. it's, it's a donut. And that- then you have to kind of say something in, my driver was sick. <laughs> some sort of a thing because you're, you're approaching this donut anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's a next level donut. <laughs> so in, a, in addition to book launch, which is a all consuming thing, what mm-hmm. are you, what are you working on right now? Well, right now I am working on the book plates for the book launch uh, as, as we speak. So these, I, I did something really dumb. I decided to make the book plates complicated. So like I've got these like little book plates and I yeah. drew a koi on them. And, and this koi says, will you be my donut? And so I have to draw though. I've got 200 book plates and I'm at maybe, I've got to draw maybe about 120 more koi. And I have to tell you after about the, maybe about the 30th or 40th koi, you're just thinking, why am I drawing fish? So I'm doing that. So, so there's a lot of book promo things. I have the, uh, the, the publicist, Carol Perney, who has been working with me, uh, you know, has been beautiful and, but there's just been a lot of work. Besides that, though, I'm also working on my next, next book. I'm about 40,000 words, 50,000 words into my next, next book, which is in universe with Light from Uncommon Stars. It's not a direct sequel, but you'll see 
yeah, there, there, there are some Easter eggs, shall we say. And then um, I'm also been asked to write a lot of essays. And I think I'm eventually, not eventually, I'm actually working on a way to uh, show some more of my essays online. So just more on that coming, rikarika.com. But I noticed when I was doing my research for this book, the last book, the other book, um, I learned some neat things. And I just want to talk about them. Yeah, for sure. So, so that's coming up. Again, rikarika.com. Just stick around. It's coming. It's the new semester at Santa Monica College. So it's a lot of it is just, I love teaching, but we're getting a new semester started. And if you're, if you're a student out there, I feel for you. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll get you. We'll take care of you. And so that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm up to. It's been busy. This has been about, I was telling some of my really close friends, I don't believe I've ever been busier in my life. Yep. And book launch takes over everything, doesn't it? Book launch takes over everything. But since, and it has a way, you know, like they say at Disneyland, you can walk like 10 miles and not know it because you're just going from place to place because everything is so shiny. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel with the book launch, you know? Uh, that everything is so new and so shiny and I have these book plates and they're sent and I want to do good things because I really love my readers and, and everything. But at the end of the day, I have a couple of close friends going, make sure you hydrate. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to sleep and drink water. It's very important. Don't forget to sleep and drink water. And you know, sometimes I need that. Oh and yeah, so, just a little. So that is what that's what I'm up to for the, you know, it's like, I don't mean that to scare anybody from no. doing this. It's, it's the reality. Yeah. You know, instead of working for the man, I get to work for the trans queer Asian woman. And that's a better person to work for. As, as someone who is self-employed, though, not trans nor Asian, I understand the sentiment very much. Yes. Hey, here's to us. Yay. Okay. I always, I always, I've said this so many times. Good news. You're in charge. Bad news. You're in charge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to like, I did an extension on my taxes, but that's coming up in a month and a half. <laughs> okay. So anyway. <laughs> so I always ask this question, what books are you reading that you would like to tell people about any genre? Okay. You do not have to limit it. Tell me about all the books. Cause we read everything. I'm so right now, I'm not doing much, much reading because I'm writing. And drawing However, core. I'm going to plug my really good friend, Jen Lyons, and The Ruin of Kings is the first book in the series. These are chonky books. I mean, these are big, thick books. That and is a if big we're, book. If we're in lockdown, uh, I believe Jen is on her fifth book right now in this series. It is a spectacular series. If you don't like a character, don't worry because... She'll probably take that character down if you hang out. It's kind of like New England weather. Don't like where things are. Wait a, wait a minute. And, and I have no idea how somebody can be this smart and this brilliant through five books. But that's one. Uh, the, the other two books that I, I haven't read yet, but I really want to read when, when time permits is Nevo's The Chosen and the Beautiful. Now, I'm an English professor. You know? I don't particularly like The Great Gatsby because I find The Great Gatsby to be an elitist mess. And he fixes it. And so I want to read her take on it. And I've, I've, I've just read so many things about this book that I just can't wait to, you know, get my little box on it. Uh, and the other book that I'm really looking forward to read, which comes completely from a different different direction is a novella called Nothing But Black and Teeth. And that's from the writer Cassandra Kaw. Ooh. And it's a novella. And I don't even know Cassandra, but I the book is, uh, 
I found out they come from a gaming tradition. So they're, they're gaming writers and they're, they're writing. And so I really want to see how they plot out. But mostly this book is about the Heian period and Japanese yokai and things like that. And because I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm researching yokai right now for my book. And I just want to see how other people handle them. And I hear that they're a brilliant writer. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do as well. So that's uh, Nothing But Black and Teeth from Cassandra Ka, The Chosen and the Beautiful from Guy Vo, and The Ruin of Kings and all the other books from Jen Lyons. Those are my three. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this interview. I really appreciate your time. Oh my gosh. I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the time of everyone reading. You know, whenever, whenever anybody reads a book, I know it sounds really corny, but they're giving a significant portion of their lives sure. to be in my playground. And um, just, I can't, be in, I can't be more grateful. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you to Rika Aoki for hanging out and talking with me. Thank you to her publicist, Caro, for setting this up. If you would like to find out more about this book or about any of the things we talked about, including the donut locations, everything is in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by Gainful. There is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, a personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and your goals. I started by taking the five minute gainful quiz, which considers my dietary needs, my fitness and health goals, and my unique physiology to personalize my formula. Gainful delivers my supplements with no shipping charge every month. I can cancel anytime or adapt my plan as needed. But this is my favorite part. The supplement is flavorless and I receive different flavor boosts so I can customize how I want my supplement to taste. I have options and I'm not stuck with a giant tub of one flavor that I'm going to get tired of. It's a total win. Start your personalized fitness journey today with Gainful. Get $20 off your personalized supplements by going to gainful.com slash Sarah. That's gainful.com slash Sarah for $20 off. Gainful personalized nutrition made for your tastes. Now, you know, I want to hear your donut recommendations, right? I want to know where you think the best donut is or where I should go and buy my next donut, because now, of course, I want to eat donuts. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. Or if that is not going to stick in your memory, Sarah with an H at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. It all ends up in the same place, but I do love hearing from you. So please tell me, tell me about donuts. I really need to know about donuts. I always end with a bad joke. This week is no exception because why would I do that to you? It's the best part of the podcast, right? This joke is from listener Emily Jane. Thank you, Emily Jane. You ready for an outstandingly wonderful joke that you will tell everyone you know? Of course, let's do this. Did you hear about the trouble with the new professional hide and seek league? Yeah, good players, hard to find. <laughs> it's so silly, I love it. Thank you, Emily Jane. I love a good, terrible joke. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts. So subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.